Please join me in our responsive reading as we begin our worship together. It is titled, Brokenness. God, it takes courage to be the creatures you made us to be. We find that we make certain things happen, and we can prevent other things from happening. We can make friends, and we can make enemies. We can say yes, and we can say no. God, we are tentative before you, confused in the clutter of our abandoned dreams and tattered faith, worn out by our efforts to improve the world, cramped by responsibilities, and lost in an ocean of time. Amen. Thank you. 
be seated. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning and uh, welcome you. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll be blessed by God as we worship God together. Uh, we, we have a couple of special guests that I'd like to uh, introduce to you this morning. We uh, have some special music uh, that we will be uh, delighted with in just a few moments. Uh, David and Sam Moore are here to uh, bring their ministry of music to us. They are members at First United Methodist Church and uh, have been singing together. Their father and son been singing together since... Uh, since you were eight years old, I understand, and uh, and so we're looking forward to that. And they have a lot of connections. They know a lot of people here at Community Baptist Church, and uh, even some relatives, I think, and a lot of friends here. And so we're glad that you, that uh, Sam and Dave are here. Did you ever get that? I thought so. I, I, you know, I saw that and I thought, I, I bet you hear that all the time. <laughs> But we are, we are so glad that you are here, um, David and Sam Moore. Uh, just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out every Thursday, be sure to give us your email address and uh, we will put that on there, put you on the list uh, to receive that email newsletter that comes out every week. Also, you will see in the worship folder on, on the front of it, uh, uh, the front page or whatever, there's a separate sheet and that is for our Supper 8 clubs, our Supper 8 groups. We are going to revive that again uh, very shortly. And basically what this is, is an opportunity for you to, uh, to join a group of six or eight people uh, to share meals together for the next several months. Uh, you will uh, volunteer to host somebody in your home and you will go to other people's homes uh, to, uh, to uh, share a meal with them. And um, we invite you to do that. It's always it's a wonderful time, and it's just a great way to get to know each other a little better. And so if you would like to participate in that, please uh, uh, put your name on that, and, and we will put you on the list and put you in a group there. Uh, also, we have our Valentine's dinner that's coming up and an auction that's going along with that, a, um, a time and, uh, and service auction. And um, did you want to say anything else? Yeah, go ahead. Who was the winner? Who was the winner of that? Oh, 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 who was the winner of that? Yeah, who won that? That was the men. <laughs> I appreciate how they remind us each week that we, the ladies, will be preparing the Valentine's dinner for the men. And uh, we do ask that you call in with the RSVP, if you could, by February 1st, because we do need to order the meat for that dinner. So Keep if on. you would just call into the office and let them know. And if any of the ladies can give a contribution, we are asking for $10. We will not, uh, we will not accept any contributions from the men because <laughs> you are our guest. Uh, and on the, I'll just mention on the tables back here, we do already have some of the time and talent auction items. You can go ahead and start bidding on those. You can continue bringing in items over the next three weeks. This will kind of give you some ideas. We've already got some great, great items back here for you to bid on. And those dollars, I don't think I mentioned last week, 
Uh, half of that will go to our church general fund to help with our ministries in the upcoming year, and the other half of that will be donated to Christian Outreach. So if you do have any questions about that afterwards, you can just give me a holler. Great. Thank you. In case you didn't don't know, uh, uh, we had a competition. The reason the women are, we, we're kind of stressing that, the reason the women are <laughs> fixing the meal for um, the men, it's not a chauvinistic thing or anything like that. Uh, they just lost the competition yeah. uh, that we had for, we were gathering food for uh, Christian outreach, and the men gathered more food, so um, that's what that's all about. Just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> we have one item of business that we need to take care of, and so Chris, uh, we, we, we were scheduled for our business meeting on this past Wednesday, but the weather was bad, and so we canceled our business meeting, so... We do have one item of business that we need to take care of as soon as possible because we're anxious to get started on this, and so I'm, I'll ask our moderator to call us in the session here. The um, personnel committee has interviewed three candidates for children's minister, and we had three excellent candidates, uh, which made the job tough. The only thing that could make it any tougher was that they were all from within the church. Uh, so we were very, very pleased with the response that we got. But after uh, dutiful deliberation, uh, the personnel committee was uh, unanimous in its uh, recommendation to the church that we hire Mary Dunham as our children's minister at the compensation that's in the budget. So that recommendation comes to you from the personnel committee. It needs no motion or a second. Is there any discussion on that before we entertain a vote? If, for pardon? Please no. <laughs> If not, then all in favor of the Personnel Committee's recommendation to hire Mary Dunham as Children's Minister signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Thank you. That closes the business. Thank you very much. Welcome, Mary. <laughs> Welcome, Mary. We're glad you're here today, and, and, um, and, and we share the love of Christ with one another. That's one of the reasons we come to this place. And so let me invite you now to stand and share the love of Christ as we greet each other in the name of God. Time is in his hand. 
How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Be seated. Children, you can come forward for our children's moment. Uh, and as you are coming, though, let me let me say one other thing, and that is, in in churches, we tend to be people of routine and habit, and we tend to sit at the same place. And um, Mary Dunham always sits at the front, and other people sit at the back always. And so somebody said, you know, people at the back don't know who Mary Dunham is. So Mary Dunham, stand up so everybody can see you. <laughs> stand up here. <laughs> All right, Greg. <laughs> all righty. Good morning, boys and girls. I don't know about you all, but one of my favorite things when I was in grade school, do you all ever have show and tell? You do still have show and tell. I'm amazed. 30 years after I was in grade school that you still have show and tell. Well, guess what? We've got show and tell today. And I went around the church yesterday. I went around the house yesterday. I went around the garage yesterday. And I found all sorts of things to show you. They're underneath this uh, uh, tablecloth right here. So, what is there front and center? What is that? What is that? It's a toilet seat. Okay, very good. You passed the first test. All right. What is this? A birdhouse. All right. What is that? A fork. Uh, what are these? Glasses. All right. Uh, what is this? There's, oh. I'm going to get in trouble. Broke the cross. What is, what is this? What was that? It was a Christmas ornament. I think it's seen better days. And let's see. How about one more? What What is that? A snail. All right. Here. Here is the question. What do all of these things, including this toilet seat, look very closely, have in common? They're all broken. Y'all are very, very observant. They're all broken. You know? How did these things get broken? Any ideas? Maggie, how they get broken? It's probably a lot of different ways, but what's some ways? Somebody didn't take care of them. I think somebody sat on this toilet seat way too quick and heavy one time. <laughs> Maybe. 
Now, what happened to that tie? It's ripped. Yep. Look at here. What happened to that? It's broke. A broken pencil. What, what could have caused that? Maybe somebody was pressing too hard or they were playing with it in a way they shouldn't have. So all of these things, as you said, are broken. Here's my next question for you. Can we as people, as children, as adults, are, do we ever, are we ever broken? We are, are we ever broken? What do you think, Kimmy? You ever seen a person in the cast? Are people in the hospital? Do people have mental challenges sometimes? We can all be broken in a lot of different ways. So if we use sometimes tape and glue to fix these things, how do we fix ourselves if we're broken? Any thoughts on that? How would we fix ourselves if we're broken? Or if we're, in this case, this is not really broken, it's just empty. It's just empty. There's no quarters in there. It's empty. How can we fix that, you think? Could these people help us at all fix that? Or can God help us fix us when we're broken? What do you think? Very, very good. That's on my list right here. God tells us if we just pray and ask that nothing, nothing is impossible. Those are some big, big words. Nothing is impossible. He can help us fix anything at all. So that's what we have to remember to do when we're in trouble or when we feel like we're broken or we're empty. It's just ask God for some help. Now, I was about your age, probably Maggie, and we used to vacation in Pine Mountain, Georgia, Callaway Gardens, because all the mothers and fathers like to play golf. And there was a bunch of families that went to Callaway Gardens every year. And one year, I had begged and begged and begged my parents to ride a horse. So we finally went and rode a horse. Well, they put me on the smallest horse and mom and dad on the bigger horses. Listen up, please. Listen up. Because I got something for you at the end if you listen real close. So I was on the smallest horse and they put me on the biggest horse. Well, guess what happened? Bees got after the horse and it took off. And I ended up in the hospital for about three weeks. But I had lots of people praying for me Lots of people, and, and the doctors and nurses were working with me, so they fixed me. I'm thinking probably all those prayers to God had something to do with that, too. So, I want you to remember one thing today, that God made all of you one of a kind and special. And if you ever, ever have a problem or feel like you're broken, you just have to take it to God and he'll help fix you, okay? Let's have a little prayer, and then I've got something for you. Let's have a prayer. Close your eyes, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each of these children and the special gifts that you give them. Please forgive us of our sins whenever we sometimes break things and feel empty and fill our hearts with love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here is what I have for you. It is not broken, I promise, okay? It's not broke. And I know you can use these at school. There's a brand new pencil. It's got a great eraser on it. How about that? All you have to do is sharpen it to use it. There you go. Have a good week. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 40. Uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles or watch the overhead. 
I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell all of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering to you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burn offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Let us pray. Lord, we know there are times when we feel as though we're in that desolate pit and that you have forsaken us. But as we soon realize, the feeling is due to our limited ability to understand the magnitude of your love for us. We constantly try to put your love in, for us into terms that we can understand when we should just accept the fact that there are indeed things that we are not capable of comprehending. So Lord, teach us not to turn to the proud and to the things of this earth, for one day both of these will scatter like dust in the wind. Teach us to stand firmly and tread on the rock, which is your word. Teach us not to try to count the wondrous deeds, but to rejoice in the fact that we are blessed by them. And as always, Lord, forgive us when we fall short, and may the praises be yours when we do not. This we ask in your most blessed name.
Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you with thankful hearts for all the many blessings you have bestowed upon us. We come to the part of the worship service where it's our time to lay our gifts on the altar to you. We know that in comparison to what you have given us, your precious Son, Jesus, these gifts are indeed small. But we ask you to bless them, to multiply them, and to help us to use them to spread your word throughout our community and the world. Again, we thank you for your continued presence in our life. We love you, and we pray that you will be with us always. Amen.
checked it out one time. The Sam on Sam and Dave was Sam Moore. The David wasn't a Moore, so I just forgot that one. It's <laughs> been too long since I did this. <laughs> Thank you so much, David and Sam. Um, did somebody give you my sermon topic before you? Oh, yeah, oh, the, you did work that in well. That's wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. The, in the um, television program, The Sopranos, there's a scene that takes place um, during a funeral. It seems that, that all the guests received a prayer card with a picture of Jesus on it, along with a, a prayer, and and one of the guests at the funeral says that when he was a kid, he always wondered about the value of these cards. You see, he collected baseball cards, and they increased in value over the years. So why not prayer cards, he thought. I don't get it, he says. $10,000 for a Mickey Mantle and zip for Jesus? Well, I suspect that says something about the values of our culture. Back when... 
John Lennon made the comment in 1966 that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus, he hit the nail squarely on the thumb. For you see, they were more popular than Jesus. But that just points to the fact that our values and our culture are out of whack. But fortunately, the psalmist had a better set of values. We read in today's lesson, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a a hymn of praise to our God. What a beautiful picture of the life of faith. He lifted me up out of a slimy pit. But let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a slimy pit? Maybe literally, some of you may have been in a slimy pit, but certainly figuratively, I imagine that most of us have. And that slimy pit could refer to several different things. There was a um, a cartoon that appeared a while back in the New Yorker magazine that shows Moses carrying the two tablets of the law down from the mountain. And as he enters into the camp of the Hebrew people, he discovers that they are, 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 are having a rousing good time. They're, they're playing dice games and they're dancing girls and tobacco and alcohol and all of the vices of culture. And, and the cartoon shows the people greeting Moses, holding the Ten Commandments. And the people are saying, well, that's well and good, Moses, but we hope that this isn't meant to be a criticism of our current lifestyle. Well, maybe it was intended to be a little bit of a criticism. Have you ever been in a slimy pit? The slimy pit could refer to our morals. And morals are an important thing, aren't they? An Anglican priest tells about attending a a soccer match a few years back, and he was there because his eight-year-old son was a part of one of the teams, a member of one of the teams. And it, it seems that a friend of his, a man named Andy, was supposed to be there to referee the game. But unfortunately, Andy had not arrived by game time. And the boys could not wait any longer, so the priest was pressured into acting as the substitute referee. Well, there were a number of difficulties with this. First of all, he had no whistle. He had no whistle, so he couldn't blow the whistle at anything. And and there were no markings on the field for the boundaries of the field, he didn't know any of the boys by name, and, he, and, and they didn't have any uniforms on. And worst of all, he barely knew the rules to soccer. And yet he was to be their substitute referee. Well, as you, can, as you might imagine, the, the, the game soon descended into chaos. Some shouted that the ball was in, while others shouted that the ball was out. The priest had no idea one way or the other whether it was in or out. He didn't know where the boundaries were. And and then the foul started. Again, some of the kids said that this was a foul and others said it was not a foul. And again, he had no idea what a foul was in soccer. And so he just kind of let him play. Then people started getting hurt. 
But thankfully, before anyone was seriously injured, Andy finally arrived. And so Andy blew his whistle, passed out the uniforms, marked the boundaries with cones, called the ball in and out, and called all the fouls correctly, and the boys had the game of their lives. The point is that life needs a referee. Rules and boundaries have a purpose. They help us to live our lives in a a wholesome and affirming way. They keep people from getting hurt. They keep people from getting exploited. They keep us safe. Now, of course, it's possible to overdo it with the rules as well. In fact, that's precisely the problem that Jesus had with with the Pharisees. They were so much into the rules and the regulations that they neglected their relationships with other people. They neglected to love other people. And indeed, sometimes we can get so bogged down in the minutia of keeping the rules that it hinders the very purpose of our existence. But for the most part, rules are good things. They keep us safe. They keep us from taking off in the wrong direction. And they keep us from doing things that ultimately are not good for us. Reverend Charles Cook, who served in the U.S. Army, tells the story of the day he arrived in Vietnam. The soldier showing him around pointed out the, the minefield next to the field there, next to the camp there, and, and it was not what he expected. He looked at it, and, he, and what he saw, it was something that looked like a beautiful soccer field, and the only problem was that it was filled with hundreds of deadly mines. Well, one afternoon, shortly after he got there, Much to his horror, Cook saw a bunch of Vietnamese kids playing ball out there in the middle of the minefield. Well, the the MPs who were supposed to be watching this field were, they, they turned white as a sheet. And then they started yelling and screaming and waving their arms at the kids and None of the kids could understand a word of English, and so they they found a map of the minefield that gave them the locations of the mines, and they they beat a, a careful route out to the children, grabbing them while they were writhing and, and screaming in fear, and, and then they carefully began to retrace their steps back to the end of the minefield. About that time, the children's parents began to arrive and to see their kids flailing and insanely and being hauled off by a bunch of big, burly Americans. So you can imagine the terror of these children and their parents who were gesticulating in helpless anguish. The mothers tried to run towards their children, but they were held back by another squad of MPs. And and these mothers probably believed that their children were being killed or harmed in some way when actually just the opposite was happening. They were being protected. They could not realize that the prohibition against playing on the minefield was infinitely more merciful than a thoughtless permission would ever have been. Cook writes this. He said, That night, as I lay on my cot, I wondered what would have happened if in the name of a shallow and indulgent love, the company commander had listened to the cries of those children. I tried to imagine him saying, Oh, I'm sorry, we didn't mean to disturb your soccer game. Go ahead and finish your game. 
Would it have been more loving for the the commander to relax the rules against playing on the minefield? As I lay awake on my cot, listening to explosions in the distance, I could not help but to wonder if the God of the Ten Commandments is less interested in spoiling his children's fun than in telling them that they are in a minefield. So you see, the slimy pit may refer to our morals. But morals are important. They keep us safe. They keep our families safe. And, and there may be someone in this room today who may be sliding down the slope of the slimy pit right now. And that person may make a tragic mistake if he or she doesn't get their act together. So the slimy pit could refer to our morals or it could simply be, mean that somehow in life we've lost our way. We've lost our sense of purpose. We no longer feel that life has meaning or value. New York Times printed a story from Rome, Italy, several years ago about a woman named Conchetta Brigante. Ms. Brigante was spotted climbing out of her seventh floor window in her apartment. and, And soon she was balancing precariously on the ledge far above the ground and When the neighbors saw her, they were frantic, and so they called the police, and the firemen put up a ladder and forcibly rescued Mrs. Brigante, and nobody listened to her protest as she was taken to a mental clinic as a would-be suicide. Well, at the clinic, Mrs. Brigante finally got to tell her story. Seems that she had been cleaning her apartment, and she had accidentally locked herself inside of her room. And she was merely trying to get into the room next door by way of the ledge. She was hardly in a slimy pit. Instead, she was teetering on the ledge of a tall building. Nevertheless, she certainly was at risk of taking a fall. And and it's not because she was a bad person. It was not because she was an uncaring person. But because quite by accident or by poor judgment, she had somehow gotten herself into a bad situation. And there are people all over that are just like that. I run into people all of the time like that. And you know, there are people who are really good people. And sometimes they just miss the true meaning of life. And because of that, because they have missed that meaning of life, they, they lack joy. They lack purpose. And they may even be filled with feelings of anger and bitterness. And they, they don't know why. They can't grasp exactly what's going on. And yet it's affecting their sense of well-being. And it's affecting their, their faith. And, and like the psalmist said, they, they feel as if they are in a slimy pit. So what do you do when you find yourself in a slimy pit? Well, here it is. The best, that we, the best thing that we can do is to call out to God. I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. Have you ever cried out to God? My guess is that most of us have at some, times in, some time in our lives. Perhaps it was in a time of personal need. Like Mrs. Brigante, you found yourself kind of teetering on the edge of disaster. 
Maybe it was a medical emergency or a, a business failure or a moral lapse. Where can you turn at such a time as this but to the Lord? But you know something? People amaze me. Because you see, sometimes we think that we can take care of it ourselves. Sometimes we think that if we just work hard enough, if we just have a positive attitude, if we just redouble our efforts and run really, really fast, then we will be able to to distance ourselves from all of our problems. But it usually doesn't work that way, does it? We're kind of like the woman that Barbara Brown Taylor tells about. Dr. Taylor had moved out into the country and this woman was coming out to visit her, but she got terribly lost. And these were the days before cell phones and GPS systems. And so she was pretty much on her own with nothing more than a set of confusing directions and an outdated map. She was already an hour later than she wanted to be. So she was speeding through a small town when she saw the blue lights in her rearview mirror. And she knew that she was busted. She pulled over to the side of the road and had her license ready when the officer arrived at her window. And she said, I'm so sorry. I know that I was speeding, but but I've been lost for for the last 40 minutes. And I cannot find Tower Terrace anywhere on this map. To which the officer replied, well, I'm sorry about that too, ma'am. But what made you think that going faster would help you find your way? (laughs) Well, you know, that's a good question. We think that if we just work hard enough, if we just redouble our efforts and run fast enough or, or have that right attitude, then, then we can lift ourselves up out of that slimy pit and do it all ourselves. But instead, so often we find ourselves digging the hole deeper. And it's more difficult to escape. But it doesn't have to be that way. And here's why. We cannot do it by ourselves. But here's the good news. God is a God who rescues people from their slimy pits. The psalmist wrote, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand and He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. What great news that is. God rescues people from their slimy pits. And and so you see, we're not helpless. We matter to God. God's chief obsession is us. Our best good from the very beginning of our lives all the way to the very end. Dr. Fred Craddock tells about serving as a a chaplain for a week at a um, hospital, a rural hospital in in North Georgia. It was a small hospital. And during the week, a baby was born. Well, Craddock noticed that the large crowd of people looking through the glass into the nursery where the baby lay, and he asked one of them about the, 
the, the child's gender and, 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 name, and name. And um, he was told that it was a little girl named Elizabeth. And then he found the young father leaning against the wall. And Craddock con- congratulated him on the birth of a beautiful baby girl. And they could see Elizabeth in, in there through the, the glass, squirming and red-faced and crying, just crying her eyes out, just crying and shouting and, and making a lot, of, a lot of ruckus there. And In fact, she was so red-faced and so disturbed that Craddock was concerned that this young father might think that there's something wrong with her. And so he explained to her that Elizabeth's okay. He said, it, it, it's good for babies to scream like that. It clears out their lungs and gets their voices going. And then the young father said, oh, I, I know she's not sick. And then he said, but she's mad as hell. <laughs> and then when he realized who he was talking to, the young man said, pardon me, pastor. That happens a lot to us. And Craddock said, well, that's all right. But then he asked, why is, she mad? why is she mad? And Father replied, well, wouldn't you be mad? One minute you're with God in heaven and the next minute you're in Georgia? <laughs> Actually, I thought they were the same place, but <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so Craddock said, you, you believe that she was God? She was with God before she came here? And the young father said, yeah, yeah. And so Craddock said, do you think she'll remember? And this young father said, well, that's up to her mother and I, isn't it? And that's up to the church. We've got to see that she remembers. Because if she forgets, she's a goner. And you know, when we have a, a dedication service for a child in our church... You know what we're saying? We're saying that this child matters to God. And we are saying that it is our responsibility to remind this child that he or she matters to God. And that God will always be there to listen and to lift us up. No matter where we go. And no matter what we do. On our own, you and I have a tendency to mess up our lives. And sometimes quite miserably. And sometimes we may end up in a slimy pit. But here's the good news. There is one who loves us more than anything else in the world. And who listens to us and who, if need be, lifts us up out of that slimy pit and sets our feet back on solid ground again. That, my friends, is what we celebrate today. God takes the mess that we make of our lives and makes it right. May God save us all from ourselves. Amen. We have come to that.
portion of our service where we will celebrate the communion of Christ, the Lord's Supper, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And we invite all to partake of this. Anyone who is a part of the family of God is welcome at the table of God. And we invite you to share in this time with us. And we will be using the method of intinction this morning. And so uh, what we would like to ask is beginning at the back rows for you to come down the center aisles to the front. There will be someone on each aisle, one um, holding bread that is already broken and one holding the chalice, the cup. We invite you to come and take a piece of bread and then move to the cup and dip the bread in the cup and go ahead and eat. And then return to your seat by 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 the side. There also may be some who would prefer to have the traditional method and uh, we will have some deacons that are coming down the aisle as people are are, um, are coming up the aisle. And so if you would like to have the traditional method, just stay in your seat and uh, one of our deacons will serve you at your seat. And as you take that, go ahead and, and uh, partake of the Lord's Supper when, when you receive it. You know, um, what we are doing here in partaking of the Lord's Supper is we are remembering The communion table says, do this in remembrance of me. And we are remembering what Christ has done. Because you see, folks, Christ came to this earth to pull us out of our slimy pits. Christ came to the slimy pit itself and got his feet dirty and his hands dirty because he loves us that much. To pull us out of that slimy pit. God saw us in, in all of our need. In all of our calamity. God saw us out there on the ledge. God saw us stuck in the, in the mire. And he sent us a lifeline to save us from ourselves. And that lifeline is Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing today in observing the Lord's Supper is we're remembering what Christ has done for us. We are remembering the lifeline that Jesus, that God sent to us in His Son. We are remembering His dirty hands, His dirty feet, His bloody hands, His bloody feet, and what He has done to save us from ourselves and to pull us from that pit. If our deacons will come forward, we'll be prepared to observe the Lord's Supper. And all are welcome to the table of God.
the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said this is my body which is broken for you in the same way also after supper he took a cup he said this is the blood of a new covenant a new covenant that I am making with you and I'm doing this because I love you so much that I'm willing to give my life to pull you from your slimy pit. As we partake of the Lord's Supper today, I hope that you'll remember that. And I hope that you will be mindful of that and meditate on the fact that Christ loves you that much, that He would give His life, that He would allow His body to be broken and His blood to be spilled for you. Because he loves you that much. Would you come and remember what Christ has done for us?
God's Spirit is in this place because God's Spirit is within us. And what we have done today is to celebrate the presence of God with us and what God has done for us and this His act of giving His Son. There may be someone here today who would like to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've never done that before. We invite you to do that. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. People need the Lord, 557. And people do need the Lord. That's what we've been talking about today. On our own, we tend to mess things up. But we need the Lord to help us to, to be put on the right path and to stay on the right path. And sometimes to be re-put on the right path. Because sometimes we stray. That's why we need the Lord. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that today. To make that commitment. To say yes to the Lord. To say, yes, Lord, you know, I've, I've kind of messed up my life. But I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be my Savior, but not only my Savior, but my Lord. And I want to follow you. And I'm making that commitment today. If you're making that commitment, we invite you to come and and proclaim that to everyone here. Or maybe you're looking for a church to to be a part of and uh, would like to unite with our church. We invite you to do that this morning as well. Maybe you just need a time of prayer. Maybe you've found yourself kind of on the edge of that slimy pit and, and you're afraid you might fall over. Whatever that may be in your life. And you just need a time of, of uplifting in prayer. We invite you to come and let us pray. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we encourage you to come and, and, and to, uh, to share that. And we will do that as we sing together in number 557, People Need the Lord. Would you come? Before we are dismissed today, there's one other item of business we need to take care of, and it again has something to do with the Dunham family, and uh, uh, and that is that uh, Kelsey has presented herself uh, for uh, professing her faith in Christ and accepting Lord uh, the Lord as her Savior, and uh, presenting herself for um, membership in our church and for baptism, 
and I hope that you will join me in welcoming her into the family of Christ and officially into the family of uh, Community Baptist Church, though she's been here since she was really tiny. Um, I say an amen and raising your hand. Amen. Amen. We welcome you, Kelsey, and your mom as well uh, to our, our, our ministry here. And and it is a ministry. And I tell you, you've been here long enough to know that I tell this to everybody who joins the church. Every person who joins the church is a minister here because we're family and we take care of each other and we minister to one another. And we're also called to go outside the doors of this church and to minister to this world as well. So we look forward to the ministry that you have for us and the ministry that we share with you. Let us bow our heads for our benediction. Oh God, we have gathered to worship you, the one who hears our cry in the midst of our despair, the one who gives a new song and plants our feet on a firm foundation. And we put our trust in you, O oh God, because you are faithful. Continue to challenge us as we accept the, the revelations of yourself through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Empower us by the Holy Spirit to give witness. And help us to be instruments of your kingdom until your salvation is felt to the ends of the earth. Amen.